it's not just enough to sit there and listen to all this all day and kind of monitor it all. You really want to be under the voice of the brand as well, especially these days where social media is where fans expect to have a one-on-one conversation with these brands. All they have to do is look to their community and see what their community members are using organically and authentically. That's the hashtag you use. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 13 years, 400 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. The Sports Business Radio Podcast, why should you listen? We're going to help you learn directly from top sports and business executives, athletes turned business people, content creators, and those working in and around the sports world. Whether you work in the sports or business world, you're a student trying to work in sports, or you just want to add overall business skills to your tool belt. We're going to bring you knowledge that you can apply to your life immediately after listening to our podcast each week. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years. And on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. What are you going to learn on today's show? You're going to learn how to use two tools that will help you stay on top of the conversations about your company, brand, or if you're an individual. There are many conversations taking place on social media and in the media, and if you don't know what's being said about you or your company, you could wake up to a tidal wave of negativity that could harm or ruin your brand. Find out the skills needed to be a good social media manager, how to create the right hashtag, and when is the best time to post on social media You'll learn all of that on today's episode. I hope you enjoy this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. My guest is James Lee. He is the manager of Executive Alerts for Meltwater. Meltwater is our partner on the Sports PR Summit coming up May 23rd in New York. James, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. So give our listeners an overview of what Meltwater is. When did it start, and what are the services that you guys offer? Yeah, absolutely. So Meltwater is actually a pretty interesting company with an interesting backstory. We started in 2001 in Oslo, Norway, uh, when our CEO, Jorn, actually spent about 15K to get the, the company started. He had this idea that, uh, especially as the Internet was growing and as the information online was starting to expand, he wanted to make sure that a CEO waking up in the morning could grab their cup of coffee and figure out kind of within a matter of minutes exactly what was happening around their company, their industry, their competitors. So getting started with a, just a couple of people in a little shack in Norway, they started building up this internet business. And now about 16 or 17 years later, uh, it's now become a company with 25,000 customers worldwide, about 50 different offices in 50 different countries. Uh, just a just a huge kind of um, sea change that uh, Meltwater's really taken advantage of in terms of really helping companies track what's being said about them, uh, especially on news and social media, and of course getting some uh, extra intelligence from that as well. So Executive Alerts, a very specific product that you guys offer. Drill down on that for us. Yeah, absolutely. So Executive Alerts is Meltwater's newest product. We actually launched it at the end of last year. And specifically, uh, I mentioned earlier in the Meltwater story that Meltwater was originally started because of the Internet and all the information that you could find on it. 
we've now reached this point where there's too much information, I would say, on the Internet. You can imagine even for like a sports team, how many people are talking about a sports team generally, everyone from fans to the press, players, coaches, everything like that. It's just a huge, overwhelming amount that it's now becoming sort of impossible to humanly sit there and manually comb through all that. So what Executive Alerts does is it actually analyzes all that conversation automatically using machine learning, and it looks for different anomalies such as trends or influencers, basically the types of things that really stand out during a day. We call them like threats or opportunities. Essentially, it takes those things and it packages them as a very simple and actionable alert that's sent directly to the executive so that on the go each day they can receive you know, maybe the top three to six things each day that are really affecting their brand. And these come through via email, text, DM. How does that come through? Yeah, and all of them, actually. So our flagship delivery is probably via email. Everyone's obviously has an email inbox, and we, we check it the first thing we wake up. But obviously, we also have uh, things like uh, native iOS and Android apps. We have SMS alerts, and you can even get them in things like Slack as well. The idea is to basically get the alerts to wherever you are in your day. We want to make sure there's as little, little friction as possible to getting these important insights into the palm of your hand. Let's talk about some general social media things that I'd love to get your opinion on. Uh, you know, you hear the the job title social media manager now, and it's such a broad title. I mean, it, it incorporates PR, marketing, human resources. But in your opinion, what are the skills needed to be a good social media manager? Absolutely. So the biggest things for social media managers, I think, are listening and engaging. If you're a social media manager, your job is to be at the forefront of listening to what everyone is saying about you on the main, at least the main social media platforms. Obviously, we're talking about things like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. And essentially, you want to be right at the tip of that, really listening into what people are saying about your team, saying about your players, saying about your coaches, your sponsors, your partners, everything like that. You really have a good pulse of whether things are positive, negative, what are the trending stories and the conversations that are driving the day. And what are the types of things that are going to sort of make or break your day? On the engagement side, though, that's where it really becomes pretty interesting. It's not just enough to sit there and listen to all this all day and kind of monitor it all. You really want to be kind of the voice of the brand as well, especially these days where social media is where fans expect to have a one-on-one conversation with these brands. They're expecting social media managers to basically respond to them uh, and, and create that human interaction that you typically wouldn't get if you were to watching a TV commercial or watching or listening to a radio commercial, for example. So I would say a social media manager, one, really needs to listen and really needs to be able to understand what's being said about the brand. And then two, be able to really quickly respond and also be able to engage with fans to create those magic moments throughout the day where it makes a fan's day or really uh, makes sure that it seals the fan's loyalty for the rest of their life. You know, what's funny, James, is there's this fine line that exists between having a personality and being funny and engaging and then not overstepping those boundaries. We've seen some sports teams overstep those boundaries. We've seen people have severe consequences because of that. But, you know, is there a way to, like, learn here's the kind of personality I should have for my brand? Should I be more conservative? Should I be out there a little bit more? Uh, when you work with your clients, do you are you able to give them any kind of advice there? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it's interesting you bring that up, too, because we see that so often, you know, different team accounts tweeting at each other or even at players and maybe stepping it a little bit too far. And I think the interesting thing there is, you know, 
it's really important for these teams, especially these marketing teams, to have a conversation about what their brand identity is going to be beforehand. I think oftentimes people think of social media and the social media managers as sort of some of the lowest people on the totem pole. And that's really definitely not the case because you see social media being right at the forefront of where they're engaging fans. So what happens is that a social media policy tends to, tends to be thrown to the wayside or becomes the last thing that a company thinks about. But it should be really one of the first pieces of crisis management that they think about as well. So I would say our advice typically is that to sit down as a marketing team ahead of time, especially before the season, and really establish what some of the guidelines are. And of course, social media relies on a lot of creativity, it relies on a lot of personality. And at the end of the day, you're going to need your social media manager to be able to have the freedom to really express themselves on a day-to-day basis. You don't, you don't really want to be sitting there reviewing every single tweet and really stifling that personality. But I think setting those boundaries ahead of time, allowing your social media manager maybe to have a little bit of uh, freedom and trust within those boundaries and kind of going from there. And I think inevitably you will make one or two mistakes here or there. That's just the nature of the game, right? This is the type of game we're all learning about it right now. We're all trying to get better at it. But at the end of the day, if you can have those boundaries ahead of time, but still have that trust to let your social media manager run, ideally you're letting someone, you've got someone in that seat who is experienced, who's professional, not just kind of an intern running the whole account. And they can be able to reflect the brand properly and professionally on a day-to-day basis. And uh, you won't have too many problems like that. Yeah, it's such an important job for all companies now and sports teams. I've asked this question to different people. I get different answers, but I want to hear yours. Is there a time of day, a time of week that is best for posting on social media? (laughs) That's a great question. And I get that question all the time as well. And, you know, the practical answer is there is not, right? Just like with any other type of company, any other type of medium, there isn't a specific time or day that is absolutely the best. There actually are tools out there that I would recommend that allow you to basically scan your followers and kind of figure out when your followers are online the most often. And a lot of them are free tools as well. And you can actually go ahead and plug in your account and it'll tell you, you know, based off of your followers and their activity, you know, looking at when they tweet, when they're online, things like that, we're able to tell you that perhaps Tuesday or Thursday mornings between 9 and 12 are, you know, the best times to post. But practically speaking, there really isn't a good rule of thumb that I've seen that I really believe in. It's like a good fit for everyone. And especially with sports teams these days being such international brands, you know, you're catering to audiences in all different continents all around the time zones. You know, I don't think, I think the idea of there being a, uh, a set time or day for all brands to tweet is, is kind of a thing of the past. Who are some of the clients that you guys work with and, and maybe drill down on a case study for us of where, hey, this was, uh, you know, a great opportunity for us with this specific sports team? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, one of the companies that we're really proud to partner with is the Denver Broncos. Um, so I'll give you a couple of examples of how the Denver Broncos use executive alerts. And this is kind of indicative of a larger social media strategy uh, or, or tactic at play anyway. So basically, as I mentioned earlier, executive alerts is really meant to help you find the most important you know, handful of opportunities or threats each day and basically weed out the rest of the fire hose. Because you know, you've probably got someone covering all that, but as an executive, you really need to know only the best of the best um, and the most important things that are driving the day. So two examples of what's, what, what kind of qualifies as important. One example is actually really interesting influencers that the, we were able to help the Broncos discover. 
So you can imagine uh, during a Broncos game or in the in the lead up to a game on up to a Sunday, you can imagine there are so many fans, you know, just getting pumped up, hyped up. And within those fans, there are actually a good uh, a good number of really big celebrities that the Broncos may not even know are already Broncos fans. And they tweet out something like, "Hey, I'm really excited for the Broncos game. I put on my jersey. I'm sitting in front of my TV." And sometimes they don't even tag the Broncos correctly. Maybe they don't use the correct hashtag. They don't use the correct handle. But oftentimes these these are you know huge celebrities like UFC fighters, NASCAR drivers, you know world tennis players. These are all people who are uh, huge fans. So I'll give you an example once where um, DJ Tiesto, uh, you know, who's a pretty well known DJ that has a couple million followers on Twitter, t- tweeted out that he was a Broncos fan, and uh, the Broncos were able to discover uh, DJ Tiesto through um, our mechanism. Just be able to, we were able to capture those in real time and send them an alert about it. And then what they were able to do with that is invite DJ Tiesto to a game, choreograph a song uh, with their uh, cheerleaders for DJ Tiesto, uh, you know, give him a custom jersey, have him sit uh, on, you know, on the sideline, basically just kind of give him the whole VIP package. And that was one of the ways where, again, I think for uh, sports, uh, you know, social media managers and PR influencers, you really want to build that relationship, two-way relationship with these influencers because they have such a huge megaphone to their fans. You know, we, we can imagine most of DJ Tiesto's fans you know, may not have heard of the Broncos or may not be Broncos fans, but now they have a trusted source or an influencer talking about them. And on the other hand, we also protect against uh, crises as well. So I'll give you an example of, uh, you know, a time where DeMarcus Ware, uh, who, you know, recently retired, but when he was playing with the Broncos, he actually, uh, you know, had a sort of a little bit of joke where he was, you know, eating at a restaurant and then on the, took a picture of his receipt where he basically wrote that he didn't tip and said, go Broncos instead. It was a little bit of a joke. He did actually tweet, uh, you know, tip, but in that case, actually, that photo that he posted ended up going viral. You've got all these uh, different, you know, PR uh, outlets, Bleacher Report, Deadspin, things like that, posting about, you know, what a horrible guy at the Marcus Ware was, which, you know, in, in many cases, are, most people know that he's, he's, a, he's a pretty nice guy. And uh, that was the type of thing where, again, we were able to capture that early. We were able to show what the momentum of that trend was and send an alert to the Broncos to be like, hey, this is something that is going to really ruin your day if you're not able to get it under control. And you can actually, if you can get an early jump on it, you can actually kind of put some uh, some feelers out to figure out, you know, what people are saying about it, who's talking about it that really matters, and maybe kind of kind of do a little bit of uh, a counterattack there and, and try to figure out what the, and how to control the narrative. So they were able to use that and uh, and diffuse the situation pretty quickly. So two things: number one, Demarcus Ware will be at the Sports PR Summit on May 23rd at the Players Tribune, so you can walk <laughs> up and tell him that story in person. I'm sure he'd get a kick out of that. Um, <laughs> but number two, you know, I love the fact that with Meltwater and your executive alerts, like a lot of times these alerts and people who try and do these summaries and package things, they do it once a day and they don't do it in real time. And the examples you just gave that you can alert your clients of real time interaction. Hey, here's an influencer you want to engage with. Get on it right away. Don't wait hours until the end of the day when we send our summary if you're not paying attention. And then the other is crisis communications, like you said. Like, people need to know. I always give the examples of the airlines. If an airline is in crises, we all saw what happened with United recently. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't have hours to respond to this or to, you know, try and get on top of it because you have this tidal wave of conversation on social media. And that's the thing to me, James, that I'm always amazed at still is – 
the companies that go, you know, I'll check my social media feeds once a day and see what the conversation is. And then you may look and it's a tidal wave of either positive or negative conversation and you're not on top of it. That's a huge mistake, in my opinion. Absolutely, Brian. And, and, you know, the reason we even started this platform in the first place was because we noticed a lot of social media managers whose entire day consists of sitting in front of three or four computer screens with, you know, tons of social media feeds uh, up on their screens, kind of sitting there manually scrolling through it. And the problem is, if something happens, you know, while you're away from your desk, while you're eating lunch, while you're in a meeting, or God forbid on a weekend or, or a night when you're not actually checking your, uh, your feeds, I mean, if something blows up, it's not going to wait for you. You know, it's not going to wait for you to come back to your desk. It's not going to wait for you to wait for your, uh, your weekend reporting package that you put together for your executive. You're going to need to know about it right away. And being able to deal with something within a few minutes versus a few hours or even a few days makes a world of difference. All right, last question for you. Uh, people have said to me, use photos, use infographics. These will enhance your social media posts. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, that's it. Just it's it's in the data. You know, if you look at um, uh, the data that's even published by Twitter, Facebook, a lot of these social networks themselves, you'll see that any post that includes photos, videos, infographics. Now, even these days, uh, you know, one of the the most valuable mediums you can go down are live streams, right? Because all of these different uh, social media platforms are trying to promote that feature. And you can imagine if you're working at Twitter, Facebook, etc., and your job is to drive engagement on your platform. You're going to reward the social media managers that are using rich media, uh, your live stream features, your, your reactions, all those things like that, um, more so than just text updates. So uh, absolutely 100%. Um, that's, that's pretty much a, a minimum requirement at this point is that you know, as many posts as possible should include a creative use of photos, videos. And you see a lot of brands doing a really great job of, of doing Instagram stories, Snapchat stories, where they're now weaving different photos together into one big narrative. I think that's really that's really great, and that's at the forefront of uh, where we see sports PR and sports social media heading. All right, that's James Lee with Meltwater. You can find them online at meltwater.com, on Twitter at Meltwater. James, looking forward to meeting you in person in New York at the Sports PR Summit on May 23rd. Thanks for your partnership, and we'll see you soon. See you there, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. My guest is Josh Decker. He is the CEO of Tagboard. Find them online at tagboard.com or on Twitter at Tagboard. 
They are our social media visualizations partner for the upcoming Sports PR Summit on May 23rd at the Players' Tribune. They also are our partner for all of our Sports Business Radio Roadshow events. Josh, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. It's really been an honor and a privilege to be associated with your organization. And um, I'm just glad to have the opportunity to share a little bit with your with your followers here. Now, this will be great. Uh, let's drill in and start with how did Tagboard start and what are the services that you guys offer? Okay, well, the very beginning of time, Tagboard has been around for about a little over five years. Um, in fact, we launched our product to the world in August of 2012. So it's been, you know, um, coming up on five years of our actual product anniversary as well. And the entire company was started out of a, uh, I got I got this crazy idea. Okay, so I was the manager manager and owner of a large online automotive enthusiast website with over a million users and 65 million pages a year. It was a, it was a big thriving community, and I was seeing social media. Uh, this is back um, about six years ago, seven years ago. I started getting the thesis for this idea, uh, building in my head, was that although social media and other forms of communication were great and powerful, they were all disconnected from each other. And by having all these different disconnected silos of communication, you actually ended up with disconnected silos of community. And I thought it was not unlike having a beautiful building with a bunch of different rooms in it, and you had smaller groups of people in all the different rooms. What I wanted to do was use technology to bring, to tear down the walls and put everyone together in one larger, more thriving, dynamic community. And what really struck my core, struck the chord here with the community was that any online community, the heart of that community is their ability to communicate with each other. That's why you see Facebook and Twitter and even sites like Medium and others thriving is because people are built to want to communicate and to be part of something greater than themselves. And so the theory, the theory that I was working on back then was that if we could figure out a way to unify the communication, then we would unify the community. And I thought that was a pretty solid argument, and a lot of people did as well that I talked to about the idea. But therein lies one problem, though, is how do you do that? You needed something, some sort of common ground to identify that communication with. And truthfully, the keyword was not strong enough. Uh, I'm an Audi guy, so just go search the word Audi S4, on Google and tell me if you find community. No, you won't find community. All you'll find is a bunch of advertisements. So that wasn't the key. The key word was not it. And that was, that was historically pretty much all we had to go off of. But we wanted something that had an opt-in nature, like me as a Seattleite, I'm a Seahawks fan, and I walk around the world all over Europe and Asia and New York, and I like to travel in my Seahawks jacket in the Super Bowl, the New York Super Bowl that we won. And I walk around, and it's kind of my, it's kind of my go-to travel attire. That's me self-identifying as a Seahawks fan. I'm putting something on. I'm taking an extra action. I'm wearing a logo. Uh, we all do it in different ways for probably hundreds of different types of communities and things that we care about. And the di- there was no digital version of that. But then along in 2007, a guy named Chris Messina invented the hashtag, and I started thinking about this hashtag thing, thinking this is kind of like raising your hand. This is kind of like self-identifying with something greater than yourself. So we began working on the theory of using the hashtag as that unification tool. 
It was beautiful. It was simple. It was truly democratic in nature. We could own it. And the cool part about it was you could use it anywhere. And over the last five years, the hashtag went from something that literally five years ago, nobody had talked to even who the hashtag was, to now you cannot watch TV, read a magazine, walk through a mall, do anything really without seeing hashtags everywhere. And they're being used because they've, the community and the users have begun to use them to identify as a member of a community. Now, Tagboard is the software designed around that. It's the software that utilizes the hashtag and also other forms of identification as well um, to pull that conversation together for the purposes of strengthening communities of all kinds. And the way that looks today is it looks like a product that uh, what it does is it allows people like marketers, brand people, um, television uh, stations and broadcasts and news, all the way to sports teams and leagues all over the world to use Tagboard as a way to both encourage and and request that conversation uh, from the from the from the members of their community, but then also more importantly, even to redisplay it back in front of them through things like web embeds, mobile mobile app integrations, beautiful screens and displays of all shapes and sizes from retail stores to conferences, church events, things like that, uh, where we're using, we're we're being using graduations all over the country right now to then some of the biggest sporting events and broadcast events in the world. And so that's what it has. We've created a, a cycle. So uh, it's, it's kind of it not only does, does does the tag board itself inherently pull out that great content from people by encouraging them to post it, but it also allows them to then see the reward of their content being displayed to the rest of the community. So it's a really great opportunity. Um, and we work with thousands of clients all over the globe, um, many in sports. Sports has been one of our strong verticals. And we currently are producing about 1.7 billion impressions of our product globally. So we hope that we're doing our part in creating stronger communities. And we got lots, lots of data and stats to show that. Show that. So I know that was a mouthful, and I got to take a breath here. So um, <laughs> you know how that, how that sounded. No, it's great. Here's one of my questions, and, and I think a lot of people struggle with this. So your answer is going to help our audience immensely right now. How do you create? the right hashtag because I see people screw this up every day. I also see other companies who use it brilliantly and it really helps their sports organization or corporation. But if you were giving our audience some tools to create the right hashtag, what would they be? Okay. Well, I have a great answer for that and it might surprise you. The answer is that they already have the tool and they probably already have the hashtag. All they have to do is look to their community and see what their community members are using organically and authentically. That's the hashtag you use. You don't make something up that you think is witty or clever. You don't come up with some new campaign out of thin air. You go to your community. You read and engage and interact with them. You see what they're using. You see the the nicknames and the slogans and the sayings that they use as a fan. Um, and you and you adapt that. One of the most successful Twitter campaigns in the history of Twitter, one of the most successful hashtag campaigns on Twitter. In fact, as of two years ago, it was the most successful marketing hashtag campaign of all time. Was Audi who used the hashtag Want an R8, which was a a uh, one of my friends actually. Um, she used this hashtag 
um, over and over and over again, basically every single day, telling Audi that she hashtag want an R8. Hashtag want an R8 was the hashtag. And you can actually do a search on that. There's a YouTube video out there, um, and it's pretty interesting. What they did was they saw this fan who was authentically desired an R8. Now, they knew she couldn't afford one, but they wanted to give her the experience of owning an R8 or driving an R8. So what they did was they replied back to her and they said, hey, we got your message. Uh, Are you free this weekend? Because we have an R8 for you for the weekend. And they used that as a catalyst to then offer it to anybody else on Twitter or social media that also wanted to drive an R8. And it became a sweeping, trending topic. People all over the world were posting with this hashtag, also wanting to have an R8 for the week. I mean, who wouldn't want an Audi R8 for the weekend, right? And that's really one of the most successful campaigns I've ever seen was them going to the community, seeing what they're using, and adapting that. You mentioned that you work with a number of sports organizations. Who are some of the organizations you work with and maybe pull out a case study of a successful uh, hashtag campaign that you did with them? Well, we've been working with partners in sports for over four years now. Um, One of our largest um, and longest partners is the NCAA. And we just got done, obviously, with March Madness. It was a really amazing opportunity to be involved in that. Again, um, we powered tag board social displays at every single event for March Madness. So every single game on both the women, men's and women's side, we allowed the fans to participate and to post their photos to the, to the big screen and really just participate on a higher level. That's a really strong one. Um, we also have um, about 25 or so other pro sports teams around the different leagues. Uh, NHL, NBA, um, NFL teams, obviously, throughout Major League Baseball were being used. Um, and it's really great. Um, I'll say one of the highlights for me has been, um, I'll, I'll mention someone by name, uh, Scott Kegley from the Minnesota Vikings. We've worked with him now twice to open up new stadiums and bring in our display software to help bring dynamic displays of social content to the screens. We did it with him while he was at the 49ers, and we did it again when he moved to the Vikings to help open that stadium. And what we've done there is we've seen it become an integral part of game presentation and something that they've built in uh, sponsorship packages around. So instead of the tag board being a cost to them, they're actually using it as new real estate to sell advertising against, and hopefully they're, they're doing well by, uh, by, by, by making some money off of that. But more importantly, they're allowing the fans to truly be part of the game presentation. They're, they're, they're allowing fans to be part of the, um, the experience that you have as a fan going to these games. And one of the coolest things that we've done, um, we, and we did, we did some pioneering work with Scott at the Vikings with this, was we actually did some cool stuff where we brought Snapchat into, into the mix. Now, historically, We've been high-level partners with Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and obviously quite a few others like YouTube and, and other sources of content. But um, this new thing, of, you know, it's been a few years now that Snapchat came out. There was a new community being built around that content, really unique content being produced on it as well. And so we're currently the only company in the world that is partnering with Snapchat to bring live displays to uh, venues and broadcast. And we did some really cool things in their stadium. And so for me... I think that um, we've just been able to to help pioneer and do some things first, um, and this is a great example of that. 
I'm sure you give this pitch all the time, but pitch our audience right now on why engaging via social media and using tools like Tagboard will help your organization. And and I, you know, you can monetize it. There, there's so many reasons why you should be engaging with your fans on social. But uh, from your perspective, what are some of the key elements? So number one for me, I mean, money is important and there has to be a business case for using something like Tagboard, right? But at the end of the day, uh, uh, someone who's producing game day or someone who's a digital, you know, a VP of digital at a, a sports team organization or league, their job is to put smiles on people's faces, right? And there's, there's really, like when I go to a Mariners game and I'm working up in the, in the production room, and I'm, I, which is beautiful, by the way, it's, it's right below the owner suite. So you have like the most amazing view from a, from a, a video room that you've ever seen of this great stadium. You could literally stand at the window, and when they put tag board up on the screen, there could be 20,000 people in the stadium, and you could almost hear the screams and the celebrations from different sections of the, of the stadium when their photo goes up on the, on the, on the board. It's, it creates authentic, exciting joy with the fan. It allows them to have a moment that then they will also you take a picture or video of that and then share that moment out as well. They're, they're, they're showing joy and excitement. And now here's a great thing. Like, obviously, I think the Mariners are, 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 are going to have a great year. This is going to be the year they're going to finally break through, right? But in years past, they, you know, they haven't done that well. But do you think anyone on social media that sees a post that has been posted to tag board has any indication of whether or not we're losing by 10 points or not. They don't, they see a smile on the face. They see some kid with dipping dots. They see people having fun. And that moment by seeing, by, by using tag board is then shared out to their, their sphere of influence, which creates a positive effect. People wanting to go to games, strengthening the community, filling the stand, filling the stands up with more people, it's just a very positive cycle that's created out of it. And I believe that in, um, I truly believe in my heart that the social effect is that we can actually affect on-field change by creating a positive atmosphere in the stands. And I know that sounds silly, but we've had people from different teams around the world tell us that exact thing. Um, we've also seen it become an instant trend maker. When you put tag word up, when you have a thousand or more people in an event, almost guaranteed that it will become a trending topic both locally sometimes nationally and, and many times globally as well. We had, we had an event a few weeks back turning number three globally for a better part of a day as a result of them using tag board. So it's something that not only allows that momentary event to become much, to increase the reach of that event much in a much greater way, but we see a, a um, an average increase in a, like we're going to use sports as an example, obviously for this, for this use case. We see an increase in engagement uh, and use of that hashtag by over a thousand percent when they put tagboard up on the screen. It's like an on-off switch, and so anyone who's running a, a, an event, a game, a tournament, a television broadcast by using tagboard, you're going to see a, a massive increase in engagement. Well, we are looking forward to having you involved with the Sports PR Summit next week, May 23rd, in New York City. We're going to have some heavy hitters in the room: NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. NCAA EVP Oliver Luck. We've got Demarcus Ware, Malcolm Jenkins, and Anquan Bolden from the NFL. We've got Olympians. 
Uh, some big time people and no pressure, Josh, but we've been trending the last few years at our event. So, uh, oh, I know, I know, know with you guys, uh, we'll be trending once again, but it's really cool because it's an invite only event and there are so many people on social media that want to know, like, what's going on inside this room and what are the conversations and what are the pictures and images? So you guys are going to do an amazing job, I know, of helping us amplify that event just like you do with our Sports Business Radio Roadshow events. And I appreciate that. Yeah, well, it's really great. We, we've got a lot to highlight while we're there. Obviously, meet some great people. I'm uh, going to call out a few of, the, of our current clients and partners that will be there. Looking forward to seeing the, our friends from the MLS the NCAA, Auburn, and Arizona Coyotes, just to name a few. And obviously the thing that, I, that stood out for me, and I went to the first event with you guys back at the Twitter headquarters, I, I walked into this event not really understanding. At that point, I was just attending. We weren't even doing anything more than that. But the quality, like so many of the conferences I go to, all they seem to care about is quantity. And you get overwhelmed with just so many people that you cannot build any relationships, you cannot dive deep with anybody, you cannot really get any business done because there's just they go over that quantity thing. And by doing that, they suffer quality suffers greatly. Where you guys have taken the opposite approach, where you have gone after nothing but quality people and uh, quality groups that, that you're including, and it's such an awesome opportunity to, to to really be in that type of environment. You can let your guard down, you can be yourself, you can really make some friendships. And there's many people that I've been become friends with from uh, from the, from the last event that I attended with you guys. So looking forward to it. Uh, can't wait. Um, and we'll see you just in a matter of days here. Yes, we will, Josh. Thank you so much for your partnership, Josh Decker, the CEO of Tagboard. Find them online at tagboard.com or on Twitter at Tagboard. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I'm the founder and CEO of the Sports PR Summit. The Sports PR Summit features East Coast and West Coast events that take place annually. The invite-only events bring together senior PR and social media executives from the pro and collegiate sports ranks, as well as from top sports corporations for panel discussions and valuable networking opportunities. Prominent media members and athletes share candid insights about the best ways for PR and social media executives to work most effectively with them. Fellow PR executives also share best practices. NASCAR legend Jeff Gordon, Boston Celtics star Isaiah Thomas, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, and WNBA legend Lisa Leslie are just some of the people who have shared their perspective at our events. The 2017 Sports PR Summit will take place on Tuesday, May 23rd at the Players' Tribune headquarters in New York City. The 2017 Sports PR Summit Social Media Workshop will take place on Wednesday, July 26th at Twitter headquarters in San Francisco. Go to sportsprsummit.com to learn more about our events and to register. Now back to the podcast. And Griggs, we have all new branding for Sports Business Radio for the first time in 13 years. New logo. Uh, Jen Thompson at 8th Rule, if you find her at 8th Rule on Twitter, or 8thRule.com. They did a great job on the rebrand of Sports Business Radio. You'll see it across all of our platforms on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, everywhere we are. Look for our new logo. What do you think, Greg? It's kind of like a spring cleaning. I mean, it, it really looks fresh and neat and professional and dialed in. Like you said, 13 years, I think it was probably a, a good time to do it. Probably a little overdue, but we got it done. It looks great. The thing I liked about working with Jen, too, is that... 
there was a strategy involved. It wasn't just like, hey, let's do a logo. There was a whole, how are we going to use this logo across all the platforms? What are the adjectives that you want to describe your brand? And they presented me with eight different options. I whittled it down to three. Then we got it down to one. We came up with the color scheme. It was really an educational process for me. But I'm thrilled with the job that uh, Jen Thompson and Eighth Rule did for our rebrand. Yeah, and look, I mean, you talk about PR all the time. That's your business. And, you know, I think that's a key part of it, too, is having a good package logo. But more than that, it's the marketing behind it. It's the, you know, putting it on all your platforms just like that. So it's matching and it flows good and Jen did great with that. It looks great. And I'm excited about it. So I guess the takeaway for all of you out there is don't just do a logo for your company or your brand or your avatar. Have a strategy behind it. And that's what I thought, you know, Jen Thompson from Eighth Rule taught me during this process. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and, of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio.